Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a very special edition of Between the Links, the final BTL of 2022. And this is going to be a fun one, ladies and gentlemen, as for the second year in a row, it is the MMA Fighting Between the Links MMA Promotional Festivus. And I know Festivus took place about a week ago, but here at MMAFighting.com, it is the year-end tradition here on BTL, and I'll explain more on what this festivist means for MMA in a moment. But first, let me introduce my tag team partner for this endeavor. He is Mr. No Gray Area. He is the exhibition king. He is from No Bets Barred and more. Mr. Jed Mishu, how are you, my man? How was your holiday? I got a lot of problems with you people, Mike. You're about to hear about them. I'm doing great. I'm really excited when you were like, hey, we're going to do the festivist. And I was like, Yes. Because it just so happens that I'm writing something very closely aligned with that, uh, with this idea. Maybe it's slightly more optimistic, but uh, I, I feel that I'm in a good position to talk about this. So very excited to talk about the year of 2022, what it meant for these promotions, and where they fumbled the bag. Oh yes, and, and you can make a case that all four of these promotions fumbled the bag at... at in some way, at some point throughout 2023, the bag was de- or 2022, excuse me, the bag was fumbled by all four of these companies. And I am excited to have you here for one last show for for 2022, Jed. And what also, we're gonna do? I have go a ahead. Surprise grade. One of these companies got a surprise grade. You'll never see it coming. So oh, I'm really, man. it's a big twist that I'm excited about. Oh, this is awesome. So uh, this is the second year we've been doing this. And we're gonna add a little a little caveat to this. Last year we just we just did a straight airing of grievances. It was just a complete this is why you sucked in 2021 kind of a show. But we're going to sort of be professors in this sense. We're gonna give year-end grades for the four major promotions, at least the way we kind of see things, the UFC, Bellator, PFL, 
one championship. We'll sort of give our I marks. Argued. Listeners, okay. I argued. I tried. I made the case to get Fight Circus. I mean, we've had two Fight Circus events in the past, like, 36 days or something. But Mike wouldn't hear about it. So it's just the big four. I mean, we could just do a whole segment at the end about Fight Circus. <laughs> and this is what these MMA promotions should follow. Uh, a good little PSA for the UFC and company. But we'll give our marks. We'll, we'll do the quote-unquote airing of grievances because while these companies did do some good things, they did a lot of bad things as well. And I think it's important and fair to highlight those. And in the end, none of these organizations are going to listen to anything we have to say. So on next year's show, it's going to be pretty similar grievances, I'm sure. But Jed, let's let's just kick things off right away with the UFC, who is, they're just so far ahead of these other three promotions. Like this isn't, I heard somebody say, this is like the, the NFL and the XFL when Vince McMahon owned the XFL. I'm like, no, it isn't. This is like the NFL versus the E division Pop Warner team and fucking Norton city, Virginia, where you drive your cars through Norton city. And then five seconds later, you're not in Norton city anymore. Like that's what we're talking about right now. We're out of Norton city and the UFC could (laughs) like, they can get away with so much more stuff that these other promotions just can't get away with. But this is a pretty big year in terms of memorable moments and fun fights and fun cards. Yeah. There were a lot of not great moments at events, but the in cage product overall It was very solid. We had a lot of title changes. We had some big-time title changes and dramatic spots late in fights. If you're a UFC fan, you got a lot of good stuff here, but there was some bad stuff as well. So what would you grade the UFC for 2022? So uh, maybe this is controversial. Let's discuss, Mike. I'm giving them a C. thought this was a C. A C year from them. And I will explain my reasons, but first I'd like to hear where, where are you just on a grade number before we hop into my reasons? I'm on a B plus. I'm on a B plus. And I, I, a C just seems, I'm so curious to, to hear why you had a C just, I think, I think the big moments were just so big and captivating that it almost negated some of the bad stuff. I flirted with like an A minus at a time, but I'm just like, nah, that's probably too high. But I feel like B plus is the sweet spot because they had some issues, but the things that went really well for them, the things that were so captivating and intriguing, just, it kind of like took away a lot of the bad stuff. And like you like to say, some of it in hindsight, considering the builds to some of these things were just hilarious. Like Leon Edwards being the welterweight champion right now, heading into 2023, is just incredible, especially when you have the promoter of your company agreeing that your long reigning welterweight champion should just go up to 205. Like, we're not going to stop the guy. And then he gets knocked out in the fifth round by a guy that you never wanted to put in a title fight to begin with. Like, those things are just hilarious. And the UFC just found a way to turn it into, well, this is not a bad thing for us after all, because we'll just do a bigger thing here and maybe we'll drop in a little, a little hint of this and everything will work out in our favor. But just, there were just a lot of great moments. I think I, I'm curious to see why we're dropping a C bomb here. I want to thank you because I forgot all about the Usman Blahovich stuff, which is at the time was hilarious in part because we had literally seen Blahovich (laughs) beat the middleweight champion in large part 
because he was simply bigger than him. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> oh, weight classes matter. Uh, and there was a lot of technical stuff going on there. But at the end of the day, half of the reason Jan beat Izzy is just like, yeah, he's like a true 205-er. And Izzy super isn't. And instead, we're just like, what if we forget all about that? And let's go, let's go one bigger. Even one more weight class down. Let's see how that. Let's see how that feels. It's just the dumbest thing of all time. I should. The moment that happened, that's when I should have bet my salary on Leon Edwards because it only ever works out that way. The UFC gets gets their, their eyes get too big for their stomach and they immediately collapse. So thank you for reminding me of that. I gave him a C because I don't think that like there were some big moments, but overall. This, this did, there were no, like, what was the, what was the call your mom mo- or your mom calls you moment? Like what fight was the mom test fight this year? Maybe Nate Diaz is one fight. And I don't remember it really being that way. There, there wasn't so that everything had a, there was, there was a lot of events, which was a huge doc for me, 42 events. And we talked about it every freaking month. And almost every week it felt like of, well, is this the worst card of the year? Or, oh, is this the worst card of the year? <laughs> there was just so much of it. And there aren't 42 main events a year to go around, much less co-mains. And there were several times, like this was the year that AK really dove into the penultimate fight instead of the co-main event because the second to last fight on the card sucked a lot of times. And when the second to last fight on a card sucks, you know that the rest of the card isn't bringing depth. And it felt like we had so many of those events. The oversaturation was a huge issue for me. And as I was just kind of broadly looking back at the year, the pay-per-views weren't that big that those are supposed to be the tent pole landmark events. And it's, you know, and Ganu gone was a bit of a dud. And then you go to Covington Masvidal was awful. And Volkanovsky Korean zombie. I know some injuries took place and that was supposed to be a thing, but that fight felt like a letdown. And there were some, you know, to share Prohashka, one of the very best fights of all time. Can't take that away. Edwards has come back over Usman. Unbelievable moment. Those are like the two biggest moments of the year. And then I guess you do the, the Izzy Pereira. And so that's three decent moments. Like those are not decent, three good moments, but those aren't, those don't feel transcendent in the broader cultural populace like Connor at MSG did or whatever. And so uh, that with the oversaturation and then the last factor that I added in, they had a lot of problems this year, man. Um, and some of them like we, we can dive into here, but my like very brief list of things that were, that are not airing of grievances issues, by the way, I have a separate list for airings of grievances (laughs) versus why I'm grading you this way. Uh, too many fights at the apex. They did get back on the road this year, which was a win, but they still just, it's so easy and convenient for them. And I'm, I'm sure the financials are simpler that they just do everything at the apex and that Ariel Hawani gets on this a lot. It really does take some of the staying out of some of these fights. Uh, the optics of the Nate Diaz situation were horrific. Granted that all kind of came out okay for them, but the whole buildup to that was treacherously bad. The light heavyweight fiasco at the end of the year, those optics are terrible. Maybe that's weighing too heavily on my mind. Daniel, 
the Dana White Power Slap League. Um, I know that that's not technically the UFC, but it still feels like it jumps in here to make me think, well, this is stupid. Uh, and then the biggest one, which we've talked about ad nauseum, but maybe not enough for some people, the James Krause situation is real. Like, that is a very real, very serious thing. And even though I think the UFC is, pro- is, is doing, for the most part, the best that they can to manage this and is not really at fault in this measure... That is a big problem. And when, when to me, frankly, probably the biggest story this year is not Leon Edwards or Yuri Prohashka. It is probably the James Krause thing. And when the biggest story of the year for you as a promotion is that, <laughs> which at, at best is really bad optics and at worst is like low-key fight fixing, that's a bad year for you, uh, especially if you don't have the super high moments to offset it. And I just didn't feel it did. So I could I, I flirted between C and C plus, and then I just kind of ultimately felt that this was a C year. It's not a it's a passing year. Totally fine. It gets you. You know, <laughs> you're not it, grounded. Not, yeah, you're not grounded. It's not a D. You're not scraping by. But it's it's not something that you it, it doesn't help the GPA and I don't think twenty twenty two helped the UFC's overall GPA in any substantive manner. I get where you're coming from. I definitely do. A lot of the a lot of that stuff I, I actually didn't really account too much into the grade like the Kraus thing and I'll, I'll get into you made a couple of points that I did absolutely agree with. A lot of the the losing of fights and penultimate fights wasn't really their fault. It was just the cool fights that they put on cards all fell out. They all it fell is, out. We had two Kyle Baraglio co-main events, not planned. That's just but what it happened. it is their fault, Mike, and that's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> when the and 282 is the perfect example. When you build an event and there is one fight that can headline it that is asking for the injury gods to fuck you, and then they do. You have, like... If they've ran fewer events, and I know they can't because 42 is the magic number for the ESPN deal and the, like, $200 million they get for it. If if they were running fewer events instead of having 14 fights and, like, half of them don't have wiki pages or whatever, you could have fight night cards be a little bit better, and then they could take these blows a little bit better. And it's... I, this this maybe I know a lot of people hate this argument because they just want to see fights and they don't really care. To me, you can you can go watch regional MMA. That's on every weekend. Go go check out um, Kaposa. The man had Gravaka Hitman on Twitter. The man has a list every week of all the stuff that's going on and how you can watch it. If you're just trying to watch people fist fight each other, you can go watch some dudes in Russia chuck them. Like that is a thing you can do. But if you want to watch something with a higher production value and, and something that should be substantive, then we could just, we could do, if they did 35 events a year, even 35, that would fill their, there would be less chaff at the bottom of cards and every card would be a little bit better and could survive injuries a little bit better. You know, that's, and that's my core thing because it's not their fault. It like in, in some ways it's not, but Think of the people who headlined freaking cards this year, man. Kennedy and Chukwu versus Ion Kutalaba was the main event of a fight night card two months ago. That is a, a, a fundamental failing as far as I'm concerned. Every, every part of the line and that the buck stops with Dana White in the UFC. Yeah. 
Look, there's too many cards. I think everybody knows that. There are some people who are just going to be like, oh, I wish there was three fight cards a week. You're all insane. And then on top of that, there's just too many fights on these too many cards. And I'm sure you've, I'm sure we all felt this at some point. And some people are going to be like, oh, you guys cover MMA for a living. You're a bunch of whiny babies, blah, blah, blah. I know it's my job, but I never, ever want watching MMA to feel like a chore or actually feel like work. But there are points heading into some of these fight night cards, most notably in the second half of the year, more so like the fourth quarter. Where I was just like, "Ugh, it's 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 too much. Like, this is too much. Like I'm getting like I'm just getting sourly burnt out a little bit for some of these Apex cards, and it's like working out. Like I don't really want working out to be a chore. Like I just want to be like I. I'm excited to go work out today. I don't want to be like, ugh, I have to fucking work out today. That's what, like, watching the UFC was like towards the end of the year. And sure, we get the biggest fights, but the fight night cards, especially at the Apex, like you're saying, like, here we are. If you don't like it, tough crapola. But it got tough at times. And despite that, I think the in-cage grade was was pretty solid. Like, I think the fights that we actually got all delivered – for the most part, we got those great moments. The out of the cage stuff, like you said, anytime Dana White had a microphone in his face, it definitely takes the grade down a little bit. Things that happen outside of the octagon, the James Crow situation. This grade is going to be lower in 2023 for sure, mostly because of this James Crow situation, because we're just gathering information now. We have right now coming out of 2022, we have potentially this could be very bad. But 2023, the potential is going to be like, okay, here it all is. This is really bad. So I think the grade is really going to take a hit in 2023 because of this. And most of the other stuff that we both talked about, the UFC just, they don't care because they're a freaking cash cow right now. But I will say this, my grade goes up a little bit because of the fighters. Because some of the fighters are starting to realize I ain't taking your shit anymore. Paulo Costa, I ain't fighting Robert Whitaker unless you give me more money. And I'll be I'll happily sit out for that. There are other fighters who are doing the same. And I know you hate to hear this, Jed, but let me let me shine a light on Stipe Miacic for a moment. UFC two eighty two, because you wanna know why we are now enemies. Right. But do you know why UFC two eighty two looked the way it did? Because the UFC was for sure certain. We're going to get John Jones and Stipe to fight. Stipe ain't going to say no to us. And by all accounts, they said he said no. Nope, not doing that. Here's your offer. Fine, give me this and I'll do it. And they're like, no, take it or leave. And he's like, okay, bye. I'll just go be a firefighter and a dad. And he'll be fine doing that the rest of his life. And it's unfortunate for the fans, 282 wasn't as... The main card like was still very intriguing by the time we got to Saturday, especially with Patty being Patty and some of the other fights that were on there. But... Yeah, I think the fighters actually, some of them anyways, and France Ngannou is another example of this, and that's still an ongoing thing. Some of the fighters realized, I'm not playing this game with you anymore. Like, I don't have to play this game if I don't want to, and that's that's nice to see. I would like to see more fighters do the same, but at least we got some of the bigger names out there going public, going on the MMA hour, and airing their grievances about the UFC and the contracts and the money that they're making. So that was a nice little change. Not enough of that, but we got at least some of that, which was a little bit refreshing to me. 
Well, look, I'm never going to be against fighters doing better unless it's Stipe Miocic or, <laughs> or maybe Michael Chandler. But God knows Michael Chandler will not be the guy to no. stand up to the UFC. So no. I don't have to worry about that one, I'm pretty sure. I don't even need, need to see this contract, Dana. I'll just... Yeah, I'm good. Virtual signature. Got you. Let's go. Uh, so you said what you had to say for your explanation was not your airing of grievances. So I have let's hear, let's hear the grievances, Jed. So Mike, you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, that these organizations aren't going to listen to us and buddy, you're right. Because when, when I knew we were doing this, I decided to go listen to last year's end of year BTL episode where we aired the grievances. And I gotta say (laughs) all of them are still active. (laughs) For all of the stuff we talked about, both <laughs> yeah, UFC and Bellator. Uh, so I'm going to start uh, with basically the same stuff because it's still the most relevant to me. Uh, the first one, the biggest one, is it, it's pay fighters more. Uh, this is not really specifically germane to the UFC. or like every, Kind of every org could take this, but particularly for the UFC. And here's why, Mike. I almost downgraded the UFC this year because the news that has recently broken of the Ali Act is going to return to be pushed through Congress or at least make the effort of. I didn't because ultimately that's a 2023 thing, not a 2022 thing. Yep. If that ends up happening, the whole sport is going to change overnight. It will be the biggest thing that's happened to the sport basically since the UFC sold to endeavor and maybe I'm frankly probably much bigger than that ultimately. It will be massive. For years I have railed against it. Not because I think that there's necessarily a, a moral problem with it. I, I don't. I think it's fine in that regard. Cause I don't want it. Because I don't want MMA to be boxing. Because that sucks. Boxing is one of the most fun sports in the world to watch when it is doing the thing the thing at the highest level. But that gets so few and far between because of the Ali Act. And ultimately, that's probably a net good. My position on the Ali Act has changed largely. And for those who don't know, the Ali Act is... The short version is it, it breaks up monopoly in, in combat sports is functionally the short answer to this. So I, I, I want the monopoly because the monopoly is good... For the consumer, at the end of the day, it is beneficial for all of the best fighters to be under the same rooftop because then we get to see all the best fights being made. And that's always Dana's thing is that we make the best fights, even though that's like provably not true a lot of the time. The monopoly helps in that regard. But it, it the, the other end of it is when you monopolize something, you can absolutely gut the workforce and, and take all their leverage away. I have for years not wanted the Ali Act because I want the best fights to happen all the time as a consumer. I just want you to pay fighters more so the Ali Act doesn't become a necessity. And this is a fundamental problem with human nature is that greed seems to win out all the time. And so at the end of the day, the UFC, if they would just pay fighters more right now, frankly, if they had been doing it for years, the Ali Act wouldn't be a problem. But if they would just pay fighters more right now, maybe the Aliak could go the fuck away. And then the UFC could, instead of reaping 80% of the revenue, do 50% like the NFL does. And then we can get all the best fighters under one roof 
and we can get all the best fights and everybody wins except for the very top CEOs of corporations who reap astronomical benefits from this. And if the options you're presenting me are everybody can win and Dana White loses or Dana White wins and the rest of us lose because eventually this thing happens and now we don't get to see the best fights happen because everybody can promote shit. I know which one I choose. So my biggest one is to pay fighters more. And I know you agree with me on that. Maybe not for all the same reasons, but fundamentally pay fighters more is, is not that you can't argue against that if you have a soul. Yeah. And you could just, you don't even have to just go right to 50, go to like 28, go to 30. Like even that is a massive difference. And then we could eventually get to 50. We could start somewhere, but we got to do better than 20 or 18 or whatever the numbers are being reported. It's awful. And I blame is it. And I do blame the UFC for this, but at the same token, I blame the UFC fighters. They fucked this well, whole thing I al- up themselves. I always, I always blame it's them. so bad. I always it's blame the so fighters. It's so bad. Like, they did this... They screwed this up by not trying to associate after the sale of the company. Then, with this ESPN deal, you had multiple opportunities where you're just like, okay, they're making so much money right now, and I understand we're still kind of making more than most, but that's not even the case anymore. Pierre... When Ariel says that PFL, like UFC fighters are so curious about the PFL, like he's not exaggerating because I'm I'm sure he was having conversations with like bigger names than I was having, but there were so many UFC fighters that were like hitting me up during the PFL championship broadcast, watching these fighters like Rob Wilkinson win a million dollars going through a tournament. And they're just like, they really do this. Like, this is real. And you're like, yeah, man, like, this is what it is. So it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, they should just definitely make warning. And it would be great PR for Dana just to come out on his own. Like as, as like just a, as just a way to combat this Ali act thing. Cause it looks like it's, we're not even going to, this isn't going to even hit the table for several months. And yeah. then it's probably going to take another year plus before it even gets put through with all the different things that happen and the challenges and all the conversations and all the discussions and all that. But if Dana just comes out and says, listen, we're going to, we're going to boost up the, the fighter revenue to like 28% right now. It's tremendous PR for the UFC and it's great for the fighters. They make more money and it's a big difference. Like it doesn't seem like much, but it's actually a big chunk difference. Um, yeah. And Jake Paul, God bless him, has done all the math for us for the most part and put it all out there. So 28, 30%, like you don't even have to go to 50 but let's pay these fighters more. Get out in front of it. You know how good that's going to make you look? You get out in front of it. You get out in front of it, and then you can kind of control the narrative too, which is what the UFC loves to do. They love control the narrative. They sure do. It would just, especially because it's, I mean, we, we see some of it now. It's only the longer this board exists, the more it is going to happen where the lives, the lives of these fighters and the myriad problems they are going to have afterwards becomes front and center more. Like, that is... that. I do not want to speculate on any of the recent passings that have happened, but it would not shock me if there were a connection between dying young and the fact that 
you your career choice is to be a professional combatant because that makes sense and so it is you protect protect the people involved in making your sport what it is pay them adequately and it's it will uh, for the in, until the end of time frankly at this point it is probably just until the ali act takes hold which at some point it will and that may not be in five for 5 years or whatever like cuz they're going to lobby super hard against it but until it does fighters and the unless unless Dana White has a ghosts of of UFC's past moment and gets visited <laughs> by three specters to teach him how to be a morally acceptable human being then this is going to continue until the Ali act comes and it just is going to leave the it, it's the worst part about this sport bar none like it not even close it is the worst part about this sport it's only going to get worse as as this shit keeps happening and then you get UFC veterans Stipe Miocic who I'm sure is actually financially set you know is lucky in that regard but there are plenty of them who don't get to retire and you know choose to be a firefighter they retire and have to work at Walmart or whatever it is because they despite being a professional athlete didn't get it and last point on this topic because it's the one that Really, it, this is me throwing a lifeline out to the worst people imaginable who are like, fuck them, I don't care about the fighters. If that's your stance, you're a terrible human being, but you're, it's your right to be that. That's okay. Here's what I'll say to you. This sport gets so much better if you if fighters get paid like real fighters. <laughs> like, Do you have yep. any... Look at the number of fighters... Who have just been like, like this year, who have just been like, yeah, I was just good and I didn't try. Because, like, why did I need to try? Uh, like, Kennedy and, and Chuku, um, who else? Uh, Patchy Mix. And there's one more. Like, basically all Ryan said Spann. Some, Ryan Spann. Basically all said some variation of the same thing. And it's just like, these are the people who go into fighting because it's simple and there is some money into it. But... Think of the myriad castoffs, like like D three college football players, who are still like if they just rolled into the Gold's Gym or whatever, would be throwing up numbers that you would blow your mind to be like, holy shit, that guy is a professional athlete. It's like actually no, I washed out of D one and had to go to JUCO or whatever. There are so there's so much athletic talent in this world that doesn't move into fighting because it doesn't pay. Like, why would you do that? This is like, there is nobody who of means and talent who fights if they have other opportunities. Cause why would you do it? And so the sport will just get better. If everybody can train full time instead of work another job, the sport will get better. Hell Habib gave an interview this year where he was like, part of the reason I'm so good is I think fighters are very stupid. And they don't train rightly. <laughs> and they're like, can you explain? It's like, I train twice a day. And then I go home and take a nap. Like, I train and I sleep for three hours for my body recover. And then I go train again. And nobody really does that because they have other shit to do. Half of it's working a job or whatever. So it's just like, if you just have the money to focus on this, it will, it will lift everything so much if fighters just get paid more. So we won't have to watch Jared Vandera fight if fighters make more. 
And if that's not a good enough argument for you, I don't know what is, frankly. <laughs> and again, we, we don't know enough about the cross situation, but if fighters are being paid more, you think Derek Menner stepping into the cage with Nern and Becca? No. Hell no. Hell no. There, I guess, look, I'm not saying that if you paid fighters more, we wouldn't be having a gambling scandal because there's greedy ass people out there that just want more and more and more. There would always be something, but Derek Minner wouldn't have been fighting. He wouldn't have been fighting. End of discussion. End of discussion. He would not have been fighting. Not at all. And also there's a big difference between taking a risk of, well, I go in there and I lose my, I, I only make my 10 grand versus, and then I get fired, but at least I, you know, lay, had my family put a bunch of money on this thing and got paid out a lump sum versus, Oh, I make like a hundred K to show like overwhelmingly. It is more likely for shenanigans to take place with guys like, like low level dudes. And this is not Jermaine to bot. Like this is to boxing certainly as well. Like guys who don't make a lot of money are far more likely to exist and have set of circumstances where they want to do something shady than the dudes at the top of the card, because those people make more money. And why, why risk the golden ticket? For something, unless it is an astronomical amount. So yeah, all of the every aspect of this sport is better if fighters just get paid more. There is not a single part of it that is worse, except for some executives somewhere lose money and fuck those people anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, but the UFC, even if they go to twenty eight percent, they're still making nine figures, infinite, infinite dollars, infinite money. This thing prints cash right now. Yeah, and you could do, I hate to say this, but if it, if paying fighters more means we have two Apex cards a month, fine with me. Let's go. I'm cool I'd with that. I'd accept it. I would me accept too. it. Like if, you, if you're just going to run them out every, every week, there's 52 events a year or whatever, that's fine. If, if it means the fighters get half the share, I cool, run it. Yes. I'll even pretend to like it. <laughs> I will have so, so many less problems with this company and this sport if fighters got paid equitably, because then I wouldn't have to feel shitty about any of it. Cause like that truly the only part of like the parts of this sport that make me like not feel great about it are that it is inherently a violent one and they get paid little, but if they get paid a lot, I don't care. They are grownups making a choice and that's okay. They get to make that determination. You get to live your life how you want and and that is okay. It is that. And then there are a myriad number of people involved in this sport that aren't very great. But I kind of think that that's just everywhere in the world. So you sort of just have to make peace with it. But anyway, that's enough on the fighter pay thing. I have two other primary grievances. Uh, well, I, I will say the oversaturation could probably fall into this, but we already talked about that enough. Uh, the next one. I'll throw out fire Dana White because I said it last year and I think all of those things are the same. <laughs> so I won't rehash into it too deeply except for uh, the White Power Slap League is awful. And I think I care. I think I am less offended by it than most people I've seen online in this space. And yet I still think it's horrifically stupid and just adds... It it's it is the Dana White problem condensed into one, where there, as I said last year, there's a period of time where he's probably the only dude alive who could, or one of a very limited few who could have turned MMA into what it is today, taken the 
the seed of the UFC and blown it up into the sport it is. Even though a lot of that credit really should go to the Fertitas, he was still the fulcrum piece here. He was a pivotal and, and instrumental. But he all of the all of the various aspects of him are bad now. And he is obviously not an awful business person. Like he's clearly successful. Whether he's good or bad is actually still up for debate, I would say, but he's clearly successful. Uh I there if you put any random fight promoter, like and not even fight promoter, just took any business exec some guy from any other company and put him in the head of this, it is not going to be worse and it is probably going to be better because you are not going to have him yell at people over dumb shit or say vaguely questionable things or rail against all these other stuff or start up a power slap league that is going to get bad press. Like it's, he is, he is just not part of the future of this sport in a, or in a, in a growth and mainstream way, reasonably. And that's, I'll believe that until he finally steps down. And I still believe it today. And it's, this wasn't even like a particularly bad Dana White year. Like he didn't say a bunch of like racist stuff or anything. It's just, he, he clearly doesn't care either. Like, which is a huge problem. We're going to talk about that with some other orgs. Like he clearly just doesn't give a shit. So I don't like get somebody who is, Promotion, and this is the big one. Here's my my big one. And this is, again, not actually specific to the UFC. I'm going to say it for every one of them. He doesn't care, and that rubs off on the product. You have to be interested. The Half of the reason Eddie Hearn is like a captivating dude to listen to speak is because he gives off the vibe that he gives a fuck. And, like, that's the essence of promotion is to make people care about what you are promoting. Dana White clearly doesn't. I'm not even that big of a... I don't even have that big of an issue with him saying stuff like, if you don't like it, fuck you, don't watch it. Because there's a part of me that at least like, okay, it's honest, fair, but that's not your job. Your job is to make people like it. And you can't please everybody, but you can try and make it make it feel like you are invested. And he does not. And so it's that that is my biggest thing for all of them. The UFC needs new coat of paint. Hasn't had one in a while, and it needs to up its production value, make something new and interesting happen, be a little more creative. All the same things I say all the time, they are a monolith now. It is the three letters, and they just roll out the same thing every time. And sometimes it's fighters you know, and sometimes it's not. And But it it, it is just the product. And that is my my second biggest issue with them after pay is that. And I think that's a top-down thing. Uh, I think getting rid of Dana helps, but it's just getting some people in there who want to do something exciting, who are interested in this sport and making something cool happen. And that's, we haven't been there in a long time, my friend. Or at least go back, go back to like 2010, 2011, where even like you cared, like you were so into it. And it was so funny, like, Going back and watching, I don't know why I even fell in this rabbit hole, but going back and watching Dana White at the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather hype. Like that Dana White was the Dana White that got people falling in love with the sport. He was the fucking hype guy. He got you all fired up for good or for bad. The dude told the truth and he was very passionate about it. Now, fast forward to now, he's still very passionate about things, but you don't tell the truth anymore. And him not caring... 
it's been that way for a long, long time, seven or eight years at least that he's had that attitude. And we got a little bit of a comeback with the McGregor Bayweather fight. And then he just kind of went back to the same old Dana. And I thought all this weight loss and his life changing forever and him being able to sleep better and all the changes he's made physically in his life would help him be in a better place spiritually, mentally speaking. No, not that way at all. I have at least learned to get my UFC hype from other folks. That's why I love talking to John Anik before and after fights because he gets Dude, me all sorts so of fired at up. It. He's so good at it. He clearly cares. Yeah. He cares more than maybe anybody in the company. He's so good at his job. And, like, that, and that's, that's like so, half of why he's good at his job is because he cares and he lets it be known. Like yeah. That is so important in promotion. 100%. And yeah, I don't think he can lose Dane altogether just because the casual audience all know him. They all love him. The dude is a view machine, no matter how you feel about him. And people love when Dana goes after the media. It's great to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a, what an interesting world we would live in in a Dana Whiteless UFC. But look, and Dana, Dana so ain't no excited. spring. It's going to happen at some point. And it's, I'm so excited to just see, just see what it looks like. And maybe it doesn't look any different. Maybe it's just, it's just more professional. Because that's it. like he's very not professional, and at least that would be something, I guess. Like, but it's I just want to see what it looks like with somebody else at the wheel who cares about this sport. Yeah, and he's it's we're gonna see that version of Dana with this p- power slap league. Like, we're gonna get hype man Dana for that, and then he's gonna have to fast forward to Saturday, and we're just gonna have to go back to to Mopey White all over again. So, True. yeah, I mean the fighter pay, a lot of things you said spiral down to all these other promotions because when you're the top dog, everybody, you kind of, you kind of lay out the groundwork and everyone just kind of tries to find their different variation of it. So if the UFC ain't paying fighters, then the other companies aren't going to pay fighters that much either. It all starts at the top. So I think that makes sense. And I think we're good. Did we, uh, did we cover everything with the UFC here? Yeah. My only other thing is just, like I said, at the end there, just give, give me something new. The production has looked identical for years now. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but you just have to you have to give it an update. You have a fresh coat of paint, give it something new, add add a little zest, a little spice, because uh, you know we're not getting it with that many events. I need something shiny to differentiate me if if, if what we're doing. So, but yeah, yeah, otherwise we're fine. I mean, they are doing some different stuff, like different camera angles, the different tail of the tapes, and stuff like that. So that's one thing, but. Yeah, I I do agree with you. Like the walkouts are all the same. It's it's nothing walkouts, has changed. It's, it's all monochromatic, especially with the uniforms. Here, a very small one, and this is less a grievance, just as a suggestion. I want a lot more booth makeup. Like they have whatever six, seven people that fit in their booths. You're doing forty two events a year. Like fuck that noise. Just just run a bunch of dudes out there. Like give anybody who can talk into a microphone. Give them a shot. You don't have to run the same group at time in and time out. Like, let, let me see what any random person. I, let, let me see what Cheeto Vera is like on an English broadcast in the booth. I know, he does Spa- I know he does Spanish language, but the man speaks perfect English. Let's roll him out there. Like, let's make things more fun in that way. At least differentiate something uh, and see what happens. Like, that's, again, not a huge grievance. Mostly just, like, it'd be cool if they were a more fun organization because they're not fun. They are definitively not fun in, in with regards to the sport. Chris Barnett should be on as many broadcasts as possible. 
Yeah, like whether it's awesome. at a booth, just have them like walk to the cage and say hello to the fans to kick off every show. I'm fine with that. Have them walk out and do a little do a little shimmy on the way down to the octagon, welcoming fans. Then he can bring in the Buff Man or Joe Martinez. Yeah, I mean, just, just that, just that. Can you imagine just just not like all right? Well, we'll st- we will use Bruce Buffer for pay per views because whatever we still want to stay committed to him. What if Chris Barnett just just announced <laughs> like like just have. Have your in-ring announcer be a fighter just for funsies, because why not? Like, these are the types of things that would be fun and something different. And frankly, like if the Inchoku Ionkutalaba fight card, if you had given me that little, I'd have been like, it's the best fight card of the year because Chris Paul, like, Huggy <laughs> Bear was announcing. And that's at least something to talk about. If you're going to feed me a bunch of garbage, at least sprinkle it with some sugar on top, you know? Uh, well said. We could go on. We could go on another fifteen minutes on this topic, but <laughs> the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov, and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. I guess we should move to the wonderful world of Bellator MMA. And I, and I know what some of you might be saying. Oh, we still get this Bellator versus Ryzen card. They're not done yet. Technically, they're pretty much done since you ain't getting it live anyways. And by the way, let me just reiterate, Bellator is just as pissed about this as we are from conversations that I've had. So let me just throw that out there. But Jed, let me just start with this. And I'm, you, you listened to last year's show. I'm sure a lot of the grievances we both had are exactly the same as they were last year. But... I really want Bellator to do well. I want them to be where they should be. I want them to be where more of a casual audience think they're actually at right now, but they just can't get out of the mud, man. Like, I don't think they go backwards at all. And sure, they can get some momentum. Like, maybe a nice day can harden up that gooey, muddy road. But even then, like, it gets so hard and crusty like it just rolls a couple of inches forward. Like they're not, they're not traveling back up the highway. They're just kind of stuck in the same position, and slowly but surely they move like a couple of tire rotations because it's just sort of the same stuff for them in so many ways. So, boy, am I curious. If you're giving the UFC a C, what are you giving Bellator for 2022? I'm between a C minus and a D plus. So. They, because they 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 did some things. They they, I won't say they tried because they don't try. <laughs> um, but look, they they were on the road a decent amount this year, which is cool. They did the the Dublin show, which even though there weren't like a high like high profile fights, that show doing a show on location with a bunch of fighters there, that crowd popped and you could feel it through the television. Um, they had some things that were okay. Johnny Eblen's a new champion. That's a good moment. Um, 
you know, the Sabatello-Stotts um, fight and just Stotts in general kind of emerging as a future star. And Sabatello, too, in that regard. Like, that's a good moment. The co-promotion with Ryzen, I know, hasn't happened yet. I love that. It's one of my favorite things that they do. Um, so, like, that that's a good thing. Vadim Nemkov having on roster arguably the best light heavyweight in the world and, frankly, like, given Yuri Prohashka's current situation, probably the actual best light heavyweight in the world if you had to, like have a champion defend your honor tomorrow, I would be Vadim Nimkov for me in 205 since he doesn't have a working shoulder. Like, that that means something. That is a very... They have some things. The fact that they only did 18 events this year meant their card quality, and I talked about it on several shows this year, their card qualities were good. Like, they don't have enough headlining acts still. Like, they are still lacking that. But... Their card quality up and down was just like, this is watchable. And for years, that was not the case, especially as they did more events. It's just like, dude, you guys can't run 25 a year. That's not sustainable for you because then you have awful undercards. They were they were better in so many ways. They struggled mightily in the fact that they didn't. What, what were the moments? Like, what was the big moment this year for Bellator? I, I think it's Dot Sabatello. And that's... As, as much as that's not bad, like, that is not. that You don't hang your hat on that. That ain't it. Um, you know, Pitbull McKee, too, I guess, is is the other end of that. But it's that, I don't know, man. They 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 are, and I'm going to blend right into grievances with them. Their biggest issue is what we talked about at the end with the UFC. They, their promotion, they, they are awful at it. Like, they are truly, truly bad at promotion um, at this point because I work in this industry. This is my career is to do this. And several times, if not nearly every event this year, I was surprised to find out that there was a Bellator happening this week. They go, shit, Bellator 288's going on this week or whatever. Like, oh, missed that. And that can't happen if you're supposed, if you're nominally the number two org in the world. Like, you have to be better about making your product known because if I, as a hardcore of an MMA fan as can exist, am not sure about what's going on and I'm not looking forward to the moments and I'm not I'm not anticipating and circling the calendar, then why the hell is anybody else, man? Like, who who are you pulling in? And that's that's going to be their biggest issue forever, I think, at this point because they don't seem concerned about fixing that. Do you remember what the first fight of the year was for Bellator? No. They actually were developing, or at least they had they were given the gift from God of a potential superstar that fell onto their lap in Big Tuna. And what do they do <laughs> in the first event of the year? Uh, a superstar. He opens eh? the prelims. Against an absolute murderer that nobody saw. And he just got trounced. So you had something. This guy had so much buzz. People were so excited about Big Tuna. And you just chuck him in there with Sullivan Colley. The first prelim fight of 2022. And I was just like, Strong golly, start. man. What the hell is wrong with you? But I think you're right, man. Because when you brought up the question of like what was their biggest moment of the year. It? I... 
like I think my favorite, I think my favorite fight was Adam Borch, Mads Burnell, but but like that wasn't a big fight. It, it, like it was a cool fight, but yeah, I think Stott Sabatello was their was their big their, moment, their biggest moment, legitimately, like no bullshit at all. Their biggest moment was Stotts and Sabatello being separated by Errol Helwani on the MMA Hour. Three yep. months before that fight happened. Yep. And so it didn't even carry the heat because it lost it all because that's how they did it. And then they faced them off like four more times. It's just they are physically incapable of not shooting themselves in the foot at every step of the way. And it's they have a decent roster. Their Bantamweight division is excellent. It's Their Bantamweight division is at, at certainly at the top level absolutely comparable to the UFC's Bantamweight division. And considering that's like at worst the third or fourth best division in the sport, probably is number two. That like that that is saying something. And they can't and they have stars. Sabatello and Stotts can be stars. AJ McKee can be a star. They cannot do it. And it is it is a fundamental failing in every aspect of promotion. Like outside of Outside of them making money, because truth be told, I have no idea their financials. Maybe they make money, which is the core concept of a fight promotion. So if you're doing that, okay, I guess. It would still sort of surprise me if they made money, frankly. But maybe they do. They miss every step of the way. Coker is is disengaged. Like I, He has not been interested in fighting for a while, as far as I'm concerned. He has never... He has never once made me tune into a fight for the last like four years. I'm like, hell yeah. Cause he, he doesn't seem like he gives a shit. Uh, the, all the same, everything we said last year stands. Absolutely. Uh, the production is, it, it needs a lot of work, man. It needs a lot of work. John McCarthy is, is, is still doing stuff. And I know you and I have diff- a little bit different opinions on John. Uh, he's still doing a lot of stuff. So is Josh Thompson and Josh Thompson's popping off at the mouth when he doesn't know what the fuck journalism is about, which ain't a good look either. Uh, so like, uh, that's all bad. Uh, I, the, the name is still the most, I wrote about, Oh yes. <laughs> it's still the stupidest thing in the, maybe in the entire sport, the name Bellator is I'll never get over how dumb it is. I will never get over how dumb it is, and I'm trying to remember what I likened it to. Uh, I was like, because somebody, somebody comes at you like Bellator means thing in Latin. It's like it's not that bad or whatever. I'm like, yes, it is that bad because you notice how the NFL is the NFL and not like whatever Latin for football is. It's like Pedex Polo or something like that because it's stupid as shit. And everybody <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? If you're going to start up a new football promotion, you're not going to call it something in Latin. You're going to call it football, and people are going to know what the hell you mean. And it's just like Showtime MMA. If if they are can, then they appear to be locked into working with Showtime, which again I still think is very stupid because it's Showtime. But if they're locked into it, you as you said last year, use the various resources at your disposal. Change your name to Showtime MMA. Get Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell involved in your fucking production shows because it will be better. I swear to Christ it will be better. Yep. Do better things. Promote things better. Make people care. It is just they can't do any of it. And it is so they have a, a half-decent roster. And they there is no promotion that gets less juice out of the squeeze than Bellator in the entire sport. For the quality that they have fundamentally, 
in roster composition, they get the least out of it that they possibly could. And that is infuriating. What they should do for, for television and they are doing it February 4th. They're going on CBS and I'm not saying you can go on CBS for every card. I totally understand that. Get them off of Showtime and just stream all of their cards. And I know there's a new deal where you can get both together. Put them on Paramount Plus and call it a day. Yeah. Enough is enough, dude. It's a better step. Yeah. Go to Paramount Plus. The big cards, three, four, even if you do it three times a year. The four. massive ones. You do ones. four. You do one per quarter. Yes. CBS all the way with and, CBS. and Paramount Plus. CBS Boom. and Paramount Plus. There you go. There you go. UFC did it too. And they screwed. I should add this to the airing of grievances a little bit. Where's the ABC cards? Where are the ABC cards? This was such a big deal when you did the Cater Holloway card. People were so into this. Why did we stop doing it? And even when you kept on doing it, you gave us like Darren Till versus Derek Brunson on ABC. Why? At the Apex? It was so stupid. And now we're not getting it all. We got what? Long Island was ABC. So we got to we got one. We got Anik and the crew. At least they got the gold jacket thing right. We got that part right. But more of that. More of that. Make the sport more accessible. Make it more accessible. You being on Showtime does not do that. Does not do that. I will say this though, Jed, and you're not gonna agree with this. I actually thought John McCarthy had a pretty good year. I, there are some things. Yes, I, I do. I actually agree with this. Yeah. I still think that fundamentally he is a net negative uh, in the way he is used. I will say this was not his worst year by far. And his, his in cage interviews with Sabatello were actually legit. Like he legitimately did well. And so give the man his flowers, him counting off the number of fucks Sabatello said <laughs> when he was like, they told me I can't curse. I don't give a fuck. And he just starts counting them up as Sabatello keeps doing it. That is like, that's probably the best big John has been since he invented MMA rules. (laughs) I I actually thought he had a good year. I think his, his color commentary, it's not for everybody. I get it. It wasn't for me for a while. It's getting better. And what I think is better about it. And I think his personality is a little better. I think he flows a little bit better with whoever he's doing the shows with. It's that he's just being a color commentator. He's not the the main voice. He's not voicing over all the videos. He's not doing 500,000 things because they love him and Josh. Like they throw them into everything, but you let them do what they're good at. You let John do the color stuff. Post fight interviews. He's definitely getting better at him. And you let Josh ramble incoherently like a jackass. Cause that's where he excels. <laughs> Josh, man, I, 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 I said this on, it, you'll hear our 22, 2022 predictions recap uh, in a couple of days. But I said this. One of my resolutions for MMA is to give Josh Thompson more of a pass. I'm just going to give... I'm Because for some reason, I don't know why he's become this for me, but he is my, like... He's become, like, my anger foil. I'm the positive... I'm, the po- I'm a pretty positive dude. But when Josh, like, says anything, it actually legitimately gets me mad. And I'm working on that not being the case anymore. But Josh, man, here's here's what I'll say to you. Your heart is in the right place. It is. You're, we all want the same things. We're just all going about different ways to do it. We're going about like the honest, actual way that it could get better. You're going by putting more pressure on your promotion 
to do things that they just ain't able to do. They're just not. From a production standpoint, from just an in-cage product, it's a vanilla broadcast, man. It just is. And for a while, and I will say this too, Josh was the Josh was actually better this year as well. They didn't go to them as much. I think getting Jen and I, I don't want to like dog on Jen Brown, but bringing in Amanda Guerra was huge. I mean, it was so big. Like Josh is a lot looser up there with Amanda kind of just bouncing off him. Cause Amanda's is like fun and she's such a professional and she's been doing the thing at CBS sports for a long time. I have a lot of respect for her. And what also has helped Josh too, is that once in a while, and I wish they would do more of this much like the UFC, let's get some more fighter personalities in the booth for all these cards. Cause Rafion Stotts was spectacular. He was awesome when they brought him on. And I actually thought Sergio Pettis did a great job on the December card too. And it makes Josh a little more comfortable because Josh is getting better as a broadcaster. He's getting a little more comfortable up there. But man, there are certain cards where it's just like, we've gone to this guy 500 times. We don't need it. Like, we don't need it. So less is more of Josh. Not saying ta- I'm not saying take him off altogether. Um, past that, I, I want Josh to have a job there. I think Josh does provide value. I think you got to use him just a little less and we need a new ring announcer. I'm sorry. We still, I'm still, still agreements from last year. We need a new ring announcer. Michael C. Williams. Steal, steal Chris Barnett, baby. Let's yes. go. Don't get Chris Barnett. I, Michael C. Williams is doing this for a long time, but we, we need a change, man. Like we need a change. Michael C. Williams at this point couldn't get me excited to eat a bowl of cookies and cream ice cream. And I love cookies and cream ice cream, man. Michael C. Williams couldn't talk me into doing anything. Man, now, now I kind of want some cookies and cream ice cream. Hell yeah. Or at least like, Michael, wear a pair of sunglasses. Just get a little more excited, man. Like, give me something. I'm not saying be Bruce Buffer and do 360 jumps, but a little bit of, a little bit of excitement, man. Come on. Let me, this is not specific to Bellator, but I have been toying with this idea, right? I think, I think we're. I think all five promotions are missing an opportunity. I assume that you've seen the cinematic masterpiece that is A Knight's Tale. Yes. Oh God, yeah. Wouldn't it just be a lot cooler if instead of having Bruce Buffer or Michael C. Williams or whoever announce like ah in the red corner weighing two hundred and five pounds and blah blah blah? <laughs> what if instead you got to pick your hype dude, and you got to pick the same way he does? The same way um, the homeboy does in the Knight's Tale and just gets to go. And you have 20 seconds for your hype guy to announce you as, you know, the Nigerian nightmare put on this earth to steal souls or whatever. Wouldn't that be so much more sick instead of a generic buffer 360 fist pound or whatever? Just be like, all right. And we hand the mic over to to Kamar Usman's hype man or whatever. Like that would just oh, be awesome. I and I don't know that. why we don't do it. Like, I don't know why we've li- given that to one man who isn't going to be nearly as, as cool or as individual or as fun as letting the fighter have their own hype guy. Like it would just be way, way better because every fighter has one friend who would do that shit. Oh, like you man. can't, there's no fighter who like couldn't come up with a guy. Like some dude would be like, hell Yes. I don't care if I'm your coach or whatever. It would just be the best. Oh, I love that idea. Bellator would be the perfect take promotion. It. Take it, man. Take it. Because no one will give. Like, some people would would be mad if, like, Bruce Buffer didn't get to do his job anymore because people are stupid. 
but like no one will care if you did it in Bellator. It would just be dope. It would just, they would just be like, this is sick. Like this is really cool. Do that. There you go. Be creative. Be fun. Be interesting. They were a little more creative at the end of the year as well. I love the Liver King thing. Uh, you just jump on that hype while you have it. Now Liver King is who he is. Doesn't get the same street cred as he did when they used him with Paulo Costa to eat raw liver on stage with Patricky. But it is Pitbull, true. Like that's an effort. Like they they did something. That's the thing. They tried sometimes this year. The Dust Commander. Nice little video with Daniel James and uh, Twista. Dude, can you imagine <laughs> how fun it would be if the freaking Dust Commander introed? Um, uh, oh, uh, oh, give me, what's his name? Give me his name. Dude who's working with him. Daniel who just James. got knocked out by Chris Curtis. Oh, uh, Joaquin Buckley. Joaquin Buckley. Can you imagine how fun it would be if the Dust Commander is the guy <laughs> doing Joaquin Buckley's intro? Oh, this has been taken from us, fans. You guys don't. Nobody's out here talking about what they have stripped from us, what they have taken from the fans and the viewing. This is the best idea I've ever had. This is this is the 2022 version of the Kayla Harrison PFL wheel. This is what it's, it is. The hype man it's wheel. It's true. The hype man would be so fun. I don't there's not a person alive who wouldn't find this interesting, right? Like nobody, nobody would be like this is this is worse. It's better if Bruce Buffer in his tuxedo just gives ah weighing 510 from England. No. This you is could so still good. do both. Like you could still do both. Michael C. Williams just introduces the hype man. Hype man hypes him up, gets him the walkout, and then you could still do the, you could still do the actual introductions. But the hype man bringing them out would just be spectacular. I love all of that. Rick Ross would be great at that. I don't know if you watched him. I know you're not a big pro wrestling guy, but I have Rick, no idea what you're about to say. So I'm excited. So, I love, who doesn't love Rick Ross? So <laughs> they brought Rick Ross on this AEW episode to like be a mediator for two wrestlers. And AW like screwed up the timing on different things. So Rick Ross on TBS, mind you, with a live microphone, looks at one of the guys because he called the, he called for like the other guy who's going to mediate to come out like two or three different times, and the guy didn't come out. So he goes and looks at the big dude, who gets to the ring, and, and, and live television on a live microphone on TBS, and just looks at him, and goes, "Man, you a big motherfucker!" Like. <laughs> <laughs> It's like this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like that's amazing. It'll be the best. You get more people, more personality, more interest. Rick Ross could have intro freaking Jorge Masvidal against Covington. Oh, I bet man. that would have been sick. So sick. They're both Miami boys, Dane County. Let's go. Oh man, this is my best idea I've had since the Damage Bar. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. All right, make it happen, Bellator. Make it happen. Any other grievances? Or no, no, no. We've we've covered the Bellator means well. They're just not very good at it. <laughs> just be realistic, baby. Just be realistic. And I'm and I'm talking to you about this too, Josh Thompson. Be realistic, okay? Just be realistic. Be honest. Just be honest. The fact that this card, and I know this is not a Bellator problem, but the fact that this Bellator versus Rising card is not going to air live in the United States is a friggin' travesty. And I know it's, it's not all your it's fault. It's a tough hang. It's, it is It's tough. so ridiculous, dude. It's so ridiculous. And you, you can't sit there and be like, oh, the media. You got to sit there and 
make sure this is this is priority one. No, it doesn't work that way. Not if we can't watch it live. Who are we going to tell is happening? We have to. I have to go on Twitter Spaces at five a.m. on Saturday morning so that American fans can jump on and we'll tell. I'll tell them what's happening since they can't watch it live. It's crazy that this is this is what we're doing in twenty twenty two. But again, I don't. I know Bellator's pissed about this too, but. Again, if you stream this on Paramount Plus instead of freaking Showtime, you'd be all right, I think. But no, no. You don't want to listen to Mike and Jed. No one wants to listen to Mike and Jed in the airing of grievances. No one's going to do the hype man thing. You know who's going to do the hype man thing? Fight Circus is going to do the hype man thing. I'm actually fairly certain that Fight Circus will now do this as I've thrown it out into the world. Yes, just like that's a really good idea, Jed. We're gonna steal that from you, and they'll win, and they will win the day awesome. as they always do, as they always do. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move on to, and we talked about this on Heck of a Morning because some someone was like, well, Bellator's the clear cut number two. And I was like, are they though? Like, are they? Because while Bellator is, tr- like Bellator, wa- I want them to do well and they can the, the the foundation is there. We could build a nice little Bellator Palace if we really if we brought in the right people. While they were stuck in the mud a little bit, the PFL, who by the way is far from perfect, and they screwed up a lot of things this year, including the playoffs and going to London and all these different things that they screwed the pooch on gigantically. I felt that if we're in the in the game of life in MMA. I feel like PFL might have won. I feel like they might have won this year. I think they made some big steps. I think while they were awful at many things, the things they did well came at perfect times. They got a ton of momentum to end the year. And they got more people actually caring about what the next year's slate looks like than maybe ever before, Jed. Like, that's at least the way I say it. By the way, I gave Bellator C. PFL, I'm giving a solid B minus, man. I'm giving them a solid B minus. And this could have been a much worse grade. And heading into Thanksgiving week, I thought I was giving them a D minus, D, D plus at best. They made a lot of mistakes, but I'm happy with the with the B minus. I think that's a pretty fair grade. I think PFL made more strides and have more momentum compared to last year than anybody else, in my opinion. Uh, I don't hate it because I have given them a B 
Uh, All right. I, I considered B plus even. Uh, they are thus far the strongest of 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 the organizations. I thought their 2022 was the best. Uh, you know, comparatively, obviously the UFCs is the best overall. But you know, when you're when you're talking about per, via perspective, uh, look, they still have some major issues. The biggest one being their overall fighter quality is fairly low. Um, they they only have a couple of fighters who are ranked in the MMA Fighting Global rankings in their weight classes, almost exclusively that. And actually, not even almost. I think exclusively, those fighters got ranked by winning the championships this year and are are low, like just inside the top fifteen. Uh, because frankly, that's where most of them belong. Like I love Brendan Lunding. great year, really good fighter. I think I have him, you know, borderline top ten ish guy. He's not any higher than that. Like, and, and you can't you can't view that uh, in any sort. Like, you can't seriously look at him and be like that is the best featherweight in the world. That's not realistic or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they've... It all, everything with them boils down to the championship because I thought they had a good year, broadly speaking. They made some big signings, some of them good, some of them maybe not as 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 good, but they are at least headline-catching signings. Uh, fundamentally, they feel invested, like... They feel like they care, which is a big moment. They are still on ESPN Plus, ESPN, which is huge for them. I talked about it last year. They can get they can get viewership by existing on that platform, by being, hey, we're the only game in town on this Saturday night. If you're a dude between the ages of 18 and 36 or whatever, the target demo for MMA Fandom, and you turn on ESPN Plus because you for sure own it, and you all, oh, do I want to watch lacrosse or do I want to watch, you know, something else or pool? No, there's fist fights on. I'll watch that. You can pick up viewers just, just by virtue of that. They did a lot of things that were good this year. Um, they still have, I'll get to my grievances later, but the championships are the thing that sold them. The championships, we talked a lot about it. I thought that it was really dangerous and could totally blow up in their face. And it didn't. The PFL championships this year were as close to an A a plus as you can get. I I do think Kayla Harrison losing would have been better if she had won, but it it's not really cataclysmic that she lost that fight. It sets up a, a thing for next year at the pay-per-view you're eventually going to run. You got six champions, most of the fights were good, the stories weren't largely good. And it it I still I love the season format. I think it's different. It is it restricts you from being the top organization in the world, but you're not going to be that anyway. It does, but it does cap a ceiling on you, but it differentiates you in a really substantive way. Uh, that is uh, that I like. So I gave them a B. I think a B plus is a fine grade for them as well. Uh, they had a good 2022, man. Like they set themselves up to make noise in 2023, and I still don't think they will overtake Bellator as the number two, but they can start making it a race by virtue of the things that they are doing. And that's good. They're close. Like they're close to Bellator. It is a conversation to be had. I will say it's a conversation now. I still think that because a lot of like, what's the number two organization really just strictly comes down to a vibe. Like what feels like the second best org and Bellator still has the most good other good fighters that aren't in the UFC in it which really just carries the weight. But PFL is starting to make inroads in a way that matters. And that million-dollar prize, we talked about it earlier in the show, 
Fighters are interested, man, because a million dollars is no joke. It's a lot of money. And, you know, shit, people sign up to win Survivor to win a million dollars. So professional fist fighters look at, you know, Ante Delaja just won a million bucks as the heavyweight champion of the world in Bell, in PFL. I could beat that dude, and maybe I should go. That's going to keep giving them traction. That's a huge thing in the back pocket for them. Yep. Kayla losing was a huge story of the year. Uh, Larissa Pacheco, hopefully PFL continues to put her out there, give her interview ops, get her on big shows where she can shine. You got to get her out there. You have, you have to do, and, and they did, they did. He was on, she was on the MAR. She did interviews with like pretty much everybody coming out of that win. AJ McKee was just a ghost after he beat Patricio Pitbull, which is just incredible. We didn't see him again until the freaking Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley fight, which is a disaster. You cannot do that. You got to put her out there, at least build her potential. Maybe she doesn't translate completely with the U.S. audience, but at least with with the audience that she will translate with, you got to do that. This is, a, this is a big few months for them, man. Like that season's going to come up. April's going to come real quick when that season starts. And you can do the Challenger Series, like whatever. I, I don't care about the Challenger Series. does not matter. Sometimes it could create gold. Sometimes you get a new talented fighter that, that rides through these tournaments and gets to the finals and maybe, maybe even win the thing. But I don't care about the Challenger Series. You just spend these months signing free agents, getting on the horn, knocking on doors, baby, because this is a huge offseason for them. And they got Shane Burgos that's getting ready to debut Please don't throw him anywhere near a cage with Marlon Marias. I do not want to see that. I didn't want to see it in November. Don't do that. Let's Firm be smart disagree. with the book. Firm disagree. What? Get Shane, get Shane Burgos a, a, a classy-looking win. That's going to look great for Shane Burgos. Not I anymore. Mean, I mean, it's fine. Who cares if Marlon Marias... Like, it, it wouldn't look good in the first place. Marlon was already on a five-fight losing streak. Losing again doesn't matter. Look, I'm not saying this is good for Marlon's health. <laughs> but we don't talk about it enough. Like, Shavkat Rachmanov, Jeff Neal just pulled out of that fight for the UFC. And they're probably going to end up... You were you just not going to find, like, a top 15 welterweight who wants to fight Shavkat on short notice because most people have common sense, right? Uh, so they're going to end up moving him off that card, you know, that Jan 14 card. Which I hate that idea, It sucks. And that's, and that's my point here. Dude... There is a huge amount of value in just having dope people do dope shit against warm bodies like that. And that is, oh, staying active and turning in fun performances and over a, a name like uh, Marlon Ryan's is a name. Even if he's old, that's still it's still valuable. You could still build with that. I think people underrate how important it was to building Fedor Emelianenko and pride. The cartoon fights against fake opposition. There were real fights in that stretch. But he was just active. Like, he fought a lot. Like exactly. He fought, like, four times a year. And sometimes, you fight that much, you're not going to fight the best guys. Or if you do, you will lose, because that's how fighting works. But if you fight Crow Cop, and then you fight Minowa Man, like, like, that's dope. <laughs> you just get to watch him do cool shit, and that's cool. <laughs> Let Shane Burgos do cool shit against somebody. And if it's Marlon Morris, you know, that's worse for Marlon's well-being. But it's great for Shane Burgos. Right. And I agree with everything you said. Just don't throw him in there with Marlon Marais. I don't <laughs> need to see that. Uh, and just like Shafkat Rachmanov should just fight anybody. 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 Any body, welterweight or, or lightweight. 
who doesn't want to cut to 55 or they'll just jump in, I want to be in the UFC so bad. Just let Shavkat chuck him to the ground and smush him. Yeah. And then Shavkat could still fight Jeff Neal in March. Everyone's like, oh, well, why would you do that? What, he could fight Jeff Neal March 25th in the main event in San Antonio? Do both. Do it. Do both. That's what we need. Get him on television. That's what matters. Get him on television. The single biggest factor to building a star is, is just volume. Like, Hamzat Chemaev is a star because he's really good at fighting, right? He's also mostly a star because he fought three times in the span of 21 days. And if you are watching fighting at all, and maybe you don't catch every event, but you're going to catch you know every other one or once a month, you saw Shavkat. And then you saw them talk about Shavkat is a crazy man who's fighting again and again. Like, just, just fight a load. Fight a bunch if you're young and talented and good. And if you're a promoter, just do it. Have Shavkat kill people. It would be awesome. Be the best. It would be the best. So, yeah, I'm with you. I gave him a solid B-. minus. Good year for the PFL. Not all the way around. Uh, there, I mean, the, the playoff structure was horrendous. I mean, moving the playoffs to England was awful. Uh, took that some, was very dumb. It was really <laughs> dumb. You took probably the heaviest favorites to win some of these brackets just out of the, out of the picture altogether because they couldn't travel. With their visas. Very dumb. Just awful. And hopefully they don't do that again. But what other grievances do you have with the PFL? I really only have two uh, major ones. I will also throw, they still fall under the caveat of promotion. Um, this PFL does it, still doesn't. They don't really promote that much. Like, you don't see them around or nobody's calling to ask about stuff like that, even though they are partnered with ESP and could do better in that regard. Uh, but my two biggest ones are, first, Maybe controversial. The season, I love the format. It, the, it's too short. Two is not a season. Two is a pair of fights. You have to have three fights for the season. It's. I know that that introduces a lot of problems, and then you're at that point you're functionally asking fighters to fight like five times a year or whatever. But it it is just not really viable. And so I think the way you do it is you World Cup it where you take two groups of four. They round robin in their groups of four. They each fight each other. The two winners come out of that into the semifinal matches, and then there's a final. So it's three, it's four, it's five fights for the winner. That's a lot of fights. I recognize that. But I don't... Two, it's it's a fake season, especially with the way that they score stuff, uh, because you can fight once, but if you get a first-round finish, but you came in as an alternate, it just... It sort of undercuts the entirety of what you're trying to do structurally. So I'm just, they've got to hammer this out in a better way. Uh, specifically, also, the rules are dumb um, because of the way they do seeding. I'm trying to remember who exactly it was. I should have done the research and pulled this up uh, beforehand. But some people like got missed the playoffs because they, they lost the point seeding, but a, people they beat made it in. Uh, and some people, because that like the person they beat also won a first round thing, and somebody else finished lower in the stand, like in the seating standings, than somebody else because of the way that they incentivize things. And that's dumb. It's really dumb. Like if you can look at something and be like, "Hey, this guy's not making it in despite beating one of the guys who made it in," that's very stupid. Uh, then that's a problem, and you got to fix that. And there they got to do that. But my biggest one. Here's the biggest one for me, Mike, and tell me how you feel on this. I want them to go WEC. What I mean by that is 
just abandon the shitty weight classes. Heavyweight is a bad weight class. It's not a good weight class in the UFC. It is... I would have so fewer jokes if they didn't have a heavyweight weight class because I couldn't make the joke that Ante Delage is a millionaire, which is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> it's it's like, it's just so much worse to say Sadu Busai is a millionaire or whatever because that's like, he's at least like a competent fighter whereas Ante Delage is hilariously bad. It's, you got to get rid of heavyweight and uh, you, you probably got to get rid of light heavyweight. And I, I say that, with absolutely all due respect to whoever the hell is, um, who won light heavyweight this year? Rob Wilkinson? Rob Wilkinson was the light heavyweight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rob Wilkinson who had a great year, tremendous finishes. He could also make middleweight. You just get rid of that and just go welterweight down. Welterweight, lightweight, bantamweight. You could do a flyweight and do the women's divisions. Just do that. Get the good divisions with depth that you can really build around. It's just way better as far as I'm concerned. I like that. There's a, a lot that you said there that I completely agree with. Uh, let's see. Let me just go through real quick. Uh, yep. I agree. I, I would love to see them just definitely get in the later weight classes anyways. Get Bantamweight, they, Flyweight. They said they're doing Bantamweight or they're they're like 50-50 on doing Bantamweight this year, which would be good. Like that's a, it's the, best, it's the second best weight class in the sport. There's da- depth and talent there. You can build around that. Definitely women's weight classes, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, 125 would be fun. 115 would be fun. By the, 105 would be great. Everyone wants to see the freaking Adam weights go to the UFC. Just say, no, nah, we ain't letting them have them. We'll do it Let's ourselves. Take them, yeah. take them all. Take them all. That'd be a great idea. I, I don't want to say this, but I feel like I have to. Randy Couture is tough. Oh, terrible. Broadcast now. Terrible. He's, he's tough. I know he cares. He's just not all there. Florian's great. Uh, O'Connell is fantastic at his at his job. Just excellent stuff. Pacing definitely needs to still get better. Pay-per-view wasn't awful, but the prelims before the pay-per-view were atrocious. We got to improve the pacing. We did not improve it at all in 2022. There were some really rough cards that just lasted way too long. We got to get better at that. And... We talked about Dana White not caring. We've talked about Scott Coker being disengaged. The PFL certainly does not have that problem because Don Davis is out here just chirping at everybody. He cares too much, and normally that's not a problem, but he actually like cares too much that it's sort of a detriment. It drives me crazy that he See, puts himself out it. there. At least he cares. He even cares, and I like it, but stupid. it's stupid. Even if some of it's stupid and real dumb. At least, like I'll take I'll take stupid and passionate over disengaged and smart any day of the week. I'm Aggressive mistakes are okay, Mike, in my book. But listen, they had a great year. They had a great year. They made a lot of questionable calls. Most of them didn't work out, but the things that worked out worked out in a big way for them. So, and again, they have a lot of momentum right now. If they can somehow land Apollo Costa or something like that in 2022 or 2023, it's just going to be massive for them. So the next couple of years, it's just about building up that roster, getting some bigger names, and just polishing everything up a little bit because, yeah, I think you're you're, you're in a pretty good spot right now. You're in a much better spot this year than you were at this point last year. 
and onwards and upwards for the PFL, making that case for the for the number two spot. But while the PFL had a great year, they certainly do not bring billions and billions and billions and billions of eyeballs to their products. Like one MMA organization did. One championship, Jed Mishu, who I, I don't even know what to say because they they have this big deal. They debut on Amazon Prime, and it's great. And boy, do they come out with a bang. Demetrius Johnson, Adriano Marias, they promoted the hell out of it. Everybody was fired up. The production value was on point. The card was fun to watch. Like Everything about that first Amazon Prime event was spectacular. And then it ended and they turned the page and it's like, Oh yeah, we still have like other things, but we're just not going to tell anybody about them because we told everybody about this first Amazon prime card. And we're apparently satisfied with that. And they signed Roberto Soldich, but then they don't tell anybody that he's making his freaking debut for their company. It's just wild. Some of the decisions they make, I'm giving one championship, a D plus Jed Bashu. What are you giving them? I told you I had a, I had a sneaky one. Oh boy. They get an A. What? I think they had the best year of 2022. How? How is this possible? The Amazon Prime deal. And and it's that none of the rest of it matters. That deal is huge for them. To have a legitimate distributor in North America, outside of the thing. Uh, we can talk about all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, one of these organizations had... Mike Tirico and uh, who who's the Thursday night NFL crew? It's uh, it's Kirk Herbstreet and whoever talking about it and one and they say you know they're reading out a promo for one championship Friday night at thing on Thursday night football that that's that's bigger than anything anybody else did, including the UFC this year. It it is it is monstrously huge. I have enormous problems with a lot of other things that they are doing. But one has a foothold in in Southeast Asia, like the metrics bear that out mostly, though I would say a lot of that, or certainly some of the numbers that are thrown out by Shatri uh, Sityadong are um, generous to say the least. <laughs> but they, they do have a foothold there. People, they are a recognizable product, and they now have a real path to inroads in North America. And... Everybody, I talked about it with ESPN. Everybody owns Amazon Prime. Everybody has that. And they we are not talking that they are buried on Amazon Prime somewhere. When that event is live, if you're on Prime, it is right there for you to click at the top. That is massive. They Their roster needs help. They don't have a huge amount of depth. Uh, I think that it is the height of stupidity that they do kickboxing and Muay Thai. Pick one. If you're going to do, I think that it's, that it's a deeper conversation, but I don't fundamentally think it's wrong for them to not focus specifically on MMA. You can sprinkle in some grappling. You can sprinkle in some Muay Thai. You can't do grappling Muay Thai and kickboxing along with MMA. That's just too many. Pick one, and kickboxing and Muay Thai I know are different. They are not different enough. You can just choose one path to go down. They don't have enough good fighters like the Demetrius Johnson, Kristen Lee, Renee Ritter, Anatoly Malikin, like that's really the the length of what they have there. Um, but they, they, I mean, they got Angela Lee too, I guess I forgot. 
they the Amazon deal is huge, and what that is going to do for them this year, what it already did for them from a optics and visibility standpoint in 2022, they, I think they, if they can, if they cannot think that they are great, which is I think going to be their biggest blocker, is that they insist on making outlandish statements that are verifiably not true, even if you can argue numbers or whatever. Like when when Chatri says. I view the UFC as a 1A and we're 1B, that's counterproductive because it's even if you can make that argument with with hand-picked numbers, it is demonstrably not correct and nobody thinks it is. So when you say that, you come off sounding like an asshole and and it it erodes confidence in you and in your brand. If they could t- just temper some of that down, just take a little bit off that recognize that they are not the best or the biggest mixed martial arts organization in the world, but that they have a solid foundation on which to build. And and now with this Amazon deal and their backers, they could be number two as early as next year. If they just committed to it, they could do that. I'm not sure they're going to, because I think Chatri's a little, a little too crazy um, and too stuck in, in the ways that he is. But they have all the bones to really make a statement and a case here. And that's why I'm giving them an A. Like they, they position themselves better than any organization for growth and success in 2023 over the course of this year. You make a great case. I get it. I think the Amazon deal kept them from an F in my eyes because they just, they suck at promoting well, like they're worse than Bellator. So here's the they're thing. worse I than agree. Bellator. I agree with you. If they don't have the Amazon deal, they are an F, but because they do, it's an a, it, that, that deal is that, that is the swing there for me. It is, it is make or break their entire promotional identity. The first, like heading into the first card, I was feeling like, Oh, maybe, maybe one could be a very high grade. And then they screwed it up with the rest of them. But it is, again, it doesn't matter. I just don't want to see them fall into the, eh, we're already on Amazon prime. So I don't really give a shit anymore. That's, they, that could also totally happen, which would suck, which kind of happened after the first one. Cause they're like, Oh, the first card did well. Now we have billions. Now we have tens of billions and billions of people watching our cards, which I is crazy. The, I think the problem is less that and more. It's we, we got this deal, which is great, but we don't have the product to back it up. We yeah. don't have enough juice here to make this work. And that, like, that's this year. You talked about PFL needs to sign people and stuff, and that's true. I think every promotion should just sign better people. Like that's that's how you get better fundamentally. One one is the most in that boat for me. They need names and quality like right now. Because part of the problem is that they some of their cards are run with kickboxing fights and Muay Thai fights. And I frankly, I am not deep into either of those worlds. I have a cursory cursory viewer of those products. My assumption is that Glory is still the number one kickboxing org in the world. So I doubt that people really care that much about kickboxing in one. And I would feel the same with Muay Thai. Like they aren't, you know, Lupini Stadium or whatever. So it's, I don't know what they're drawing with those, but those fighters, like those things are headlining some of their cards. And that's, that, that takes away from your overall product and brand. You just got to get bigger names, better fighters and better MMA fighters in the door 
to build out this upcoming slate of Amazon cards you have. And when you have something, you need to get them out there. Jared Brooks. I mean, what a year. They finally pushed him. I mean, my God, they finally gave him opportunities and now he's the freaking champion for them. Swear, swear to God, uh, until we were, you, we were going to talk about this, had no idea it was their champion. Yeah, looked it up, looked it up when I was doing things like, oh, the monkey God, look at him go. Yeah, the guy who beat Figgy Smalls and got robbed, got the big fat hose job from the judges that night. What a different, what a, what his career would look like now that win if he actually got that win who knows i mean he's yeah. an interesting cat but ended up getting back he knocked himself out with the slam of jose shorty torres and hilarious <laughs> self ko slams are among the best parts of the sport oh man and if there's one guy he's probably he's just that but he seems to have uh i mean he's always kind of clicked he's always been su- sort of a freak athlete and really good at this but he seemed to uh to really find his stride and Hopefully he can get some big fights moving forward. Hopefully Roberto Soldich can do something moving forward. Here's here's what I'll say, because I don't want, I just I just I'm trying to end the year positive, so I'm not just going to sit there and absolutely annihilate one championship, even though I really could. So I'm not going to do that. Here's what I'll say, and this is a message. This is a message to you, Chatri. Please stop with this. I will only co-promote with the UFC thing because you're a fool. By saying that, so dumb. what you should be saying is, huh, Bellator wants to line up with our guys. Here's my phone number, Scotty Cokes. Give me a phone call because if you're that confident that your roster is better than theirs and better than the PFLs, you're not going to cope with PFL. Their structure's too much. It's just not going to happen. I could see a world where... If it's done correctly, like PFL is going to sit there and be like, let's do a cross promotion. But Don Davis likes to do his talking on the social media and Scotty Cokes hates that shit. Hates it. He's a true blue professional. Call me on the phone. Let's set up a meeting. I'll fly to you or you fly to me. Let's get in the boardroom and let's do this thing professionally. If they could get in a room together and somehow figure this out, I think they could get a deal done. And if I'm Chachi, I'm jumping all over this. Like, you're not 1B, bro. You're not 1B. But if you want to make a case for being number two, you call out the that the, you call out the promotion to do a co-promote that many feel is the number two, whether it's true or not. And you get in there. Roberto Soldich getting in there and getting after it with either, I mean, it won't be Gegard, but Roberto Soldich versus fucking Johnny Eblen would be awesome. Throw him in there with somebody else at 170. Like, some of the matchups you could create for that, I think one could hang, honestly, and do really sure. well. So don't be playing this, well, we're only going to cope with the UFC stuff. No, 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 no. You you throw that fishing line in there, and you reel in Scotty Cokes and Bellator because you can put that together, and you can somehow get yourself on Prime and Paramount Plus and show, like, you could get on both those streaming platforms at the same time, you could have your broadcasters on Prime. You could have their broadcasters on Paramount+. Plus. That's gigantic. It's huge. And you could do it. You could do it if you just stop being so full of yourself. Be a little more John McCarthy and a little less Josh Thompson, and I think you could do it. I think you can get it. You could, have, you could make a big stride here. 1,000%. We talked about it a lot. I think we may have mentioned it in last year's episode. I a Super Bowl of MMA exists, not with the UFC. You're never going to get the UFC, nope. but with the other orgs, it does. And that is 
With PFL, it probably doesn't because of their structure. It's too hard. And that's okay, too. That's fine. Unless, and this honestly wouldn't be a bad idea if the PFL just said, cool, we have our 2022 champions. They are not going to be involved in the 2023 playoffs. We're going to crown new champions. And those champions will fight the Bellator champions uh, in April. Like, you know, at the start of our year, the kickoff of our season will be the Super Bowl of MMA, the PFL champions versus Bellator. One could do that. They could do that, and it would be a big, big event. Because here's, here's the part. If, if in a magical world, you got to co-promote with the UFC, every single one of your champions, save for Demetrius Johnson, Johnson is going to get put in a fucking box. Like, and I like a lot of your champions. There has been no bigger proponent of the Dutch Knight, Rene de Ritter, than I have for years. I was the first guy to rank him on the MMA Fighting Rankings panel. I have built him up. I love that dude. That dude would get absolutely smoked by several of the top middleweights in the UFC. And I think he's a great fighter. Christian Lee, hell of a fighter. He is your welterweight and lightweight champion, which is truly lightweight and featherweight. And... I can't imagine something funnier than watching Christian Lee fight Islam Makhachev. <laughs> like, I cannot picture a more hilarious... Watching Chatri be like, we're 1B as Islam <laughs> literally throws this man out of the cage. So it's just, like, you can't... You don't want to co-promote with them. You don't want that smoke because you... Demetrius Johnson, who people best know as the long-range UFC flyweight champion, is the only chance you have to get a W. And then people won't even be like, hell yeah, one. They'll be like, oh, yeah. I thought Demetrius had retired. I guess he's still in the UFC or whatever. (laughs) You don't want to promote with them. But Christian Lee versus... Who's the Bellator lightweight champion right now? Usman or Magomedov. Usman. Okay, well, that's also that's still tough That's a bad one. <laughs> still tough for you. More winnable than Islam, <laughs> but still tough for you. But Christian but, Lee versus, like, AJ McKee is fun. Yeah, that's, like, fun. Uh, Ray Ritter probably doesn't beat Johnny Eblen, but, like, he has a much better chance um, just because Eblen is still raw. Uh, Anatoly Malkin is dope. Like, that dude can fight his ass off. So, like, he... <laughs> He could absolutely beat Vadim Nimkov. Like, those are winnable fights for you, and it's okay to do that. I, I'm a thousand percent on board with you, the co promotion, et cetera. Here, my big grievance for one. And maybe this is low hanging fruit. I don't know. But we maybe we end here because I could say other ones. This is the big one. Your weight classes are a fucking joke and they make everything harder yes. and no one fucking knows, man. And like, I, I get the point. I love that you were trying to clean up weight cutting. Um, I've, I'll just be honest. I'll just throw it out there. I don't believe you. I just don't believe in it because uh, it, it doesn't register with me that guys who miss weight but can come back an hour later and have made weight while also qualifying in the hydration because that's not how weight cutting works. You lose weight by losing hydration. So I don't really buy it, if we're being frank, and it's just stupid. Look, weight cutting sucks in MMA. I am so on board. It is one of the most dangerous aspects of the sport, blah, blah, blah. You ain't ever going to fix it. You're just not. People are going to look for edges. That's just how it's going to work. People will think that they are better served. The way to solve, quote, unquote, the issue is simply this. Weigh-ins happen two days before the fight. That's it. You give people 48 hours to rehydrate and that say that 
helps tremendously with the danger aspect of it. It doesn't change the fact that people are going to cut a fuckload, but people are going to cut a fuckload any which way you go about it. You can at least get them in the cage healthy and just deal with it from there. And it is so frustrating for you to have a light heavyweight champion that's 225 or whatever and maybe cuts weight. None of us know how to rel- how to rank these fighters. None of us know how any of this works. It is just... you're not cool or edgy. It's just complicated and unnecessary. Just get rid of that shit. Yeah, it's absolutely atrocious and it's wrong. And they look, they just look like idiots. Like they look like absolute idiots every single time. And shout out to the South, shout out to South China morning press. Who's like at all these weigh-ins and like keeps us filled in because I mean, we end up getting the emails from one anyways, like hours later about, the hydration results, but it's every card now, man. Everyone's missing. Everyone's, Everyone's missing. missing, and they're coming back and magically having made it while qualifying hydration. And look, my eyes are not lying to me. When I watched Demetrius Johnson fight Adriana Marias, those two dudes didn't both didn't both make 135 pounds while while making the same hydration. They just didn't, and that. It's okay. It, like, that's fine. That is, it is a problem, but it is what it is in this sport. But you cannot tell me that Adriano Marais makes like 125. <laughs> that's, if, he had, if his life depended on it to make the generally understood weight class of 125 tomorrow, he, I would bet a substantial sum that he could not make it. Because <laughs> it's, my eyeballs aren't liars, Mike. They're not. So stop lying to me with the stuff. Stop doing this. Just just commit to it. Say it sucks. Here's how we're going to try and fight the weight cutting thing. And if you want to do a broader approach to it, which I think is also reasonable, the same way California kind of does, of we monitor weights year, you know, to some extent year round, et cetera. And we, you know, if, if you're missing, we monitor your rehydration for fight night. If you're X percentage, we just won't let you fight at this weight class. That's a good way to do it too. This is just overly complex, and even if everything is on the up and up, which honestly I still have real questions if it is, it looks shady. So just get rid of that shit, man. Completely agree with you, and who knows? Maybe co-promoting with Bellator will... Maybe they'll go on their guidelines, and things will be a little bit more on the up and up, but we'll see. We've gone for an hour and 42 minutes. I didn't think we would go this long, but we have... We talked about all of the big ones. Yeah. It'll take some time. Um. Basically, I guess my other, my last message to everybody is just do what Fight Circus does. Wheels, all sorts of fun stuff, fighting cars, fighting phone boots. If you just do like a little bit of that, just take take a little spoonful of it and chuck it in your shake. Mix that all up. You're going to get something good. PFL, we gave you the, the, the opportunity of a lifetime. Jed dropped the damage bar. We gave you the Kayla Harrison wheel idea, wheel of fun idea. You can't do the wheel of fun idea anymore because she lost. And it's just not the same anymore. Uh, Bellator, we've given you gold with the hype man stuff. So, I mean, I don't know what else to. I don't. We we just don't know what else to do for you at this point. Uh, the UFC isn't going to change a thing, and they don't need to Never from a to. business sense. So, um, and then one just, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to say I've given up on you one, but we're, get better we're fighters gonna... and get rid of kickboxing and Muay Thai. Keep. At most, keep one of them. I'm not even sure you should, but you think that I think would be a big win for them because it's just, frankly, part of my disinterest in one is that like sometimes the cards aren't 
mixed martial arts card. So why do I give a shit? I'm like, okay, I don't care. This is kickboxing. I don't, I don't need this fight card. Like, at least if it's just MMA and I know that it's serving some grander purpose for the one thing, then cool. So that, or, that would be my single biggest thing outside of sign people. You need good bodies. Get them in the, get them in the cage. Or do more of the like Rod Tang DJ fights where it's like you mix, you mix up the rules every round. I love that. Yeah, that's at least that's fun I'm, as hell. I'm I'm less interested in those, so I think that's at least fine. It's it, for every organization. If I could give you one piece of advice beyond pay fighters more, which is the one that my heart and soul speaks to, it's yep. just fi- I like Fight Circus not because it's great. It has a lot of problems. It is probably like I'm astonished it hasn't been fully milkshake ducked already, but it <laughs> seems like that's coming somewhere down the pipe very soon. And their most recent outing, I will admit, wasn't their best show. Like it wasn't. It was. It, it was the worst show they've ever put on. It still had some moments because, at the end of the day, their driving purpose is to have fun, and that's this is supposed to be a sport that is fun, and that if if every promoter just thought to themselves when they were doing something, is this fun? And the answer is no, then they would be better. Like, they're just like, oh, no, it's not. Let's not do that then. Or, no, it's not fun, but there's a really good reason for us to do it. You can just have a little more fun, and this sport needs more fun in it. So that would be my one ask for anybody. Try and have a little more fun with the man, because it can be really damn fun. Completely agree. Well, I think we have we have done our part. Festivus is over. The, the feats of strength are done. So now Festivus is, is moved on, and it's onwards to 2023. And we are excited for a very fun year and probably some different ideas coming your way. So Jed, thank you very much, my man. Any, any final words for the BTL listeners and and viewers? Just that I, I love this sport. I love my job. I love all of you for tuning in. Uh, And I'm really excited because 2023 might be cool because maybe people will listen to us and the sport will be better, Mike. And that's all we want at the end of the day. So for Jed Mishu, I am Mike Heck. Casey Lydon will be back next week. We'll be back on video. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Actually, she's not going to take you home, but uh, the, the cool music will. <laughs> so thank you very much. Back next week on Between the Links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.